Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all. Uh, so grateful you're here, and good morning to all those online. We are grateful you're joining us. Thank you for being with us today. I know that this story is a very familiar one. I know that it is one that we all learned in Sunday school or you know, at different times, but I want to kind of take a look at it uh, bit by bit, and then I want to um, show how it kind of applies in part to where, where we are today. So a couple of things that I, I want to mention to you all as, as we go through it. I'd like to kind of go verse by verse. Um, so the first one is uh, when the, the young man, a lawyer, uh, but some say it could be a scribe as well, he stood up to test Jesus. Now, John is really good with Greek and Hebrew. Have y'all noticed? He took those classes at Perkins. I did not. So a real technical term here that I would say about what the young man was trying to do is that he was being snarky, okay? He was not like really wanting to know. He was wanting to see if he could kind of mess with him. So Luke 10, 25, he stood up to test Jesus. So it wasn't like, please tell me I want to learn kind of thing. If you go down to verse 26, often rabbis will answer a question with a question. And that's kind of a, a thing that they do. So, so Jesus said to him, what's written? You know, how do you read it? What do you say? And then, then in 27, he basically says the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, the thing about this is that this was given in Deuteronomy 6, and it was something that was given to the children of Israel before they went into Jericho, and the, the scripture is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. And then it goes on to say, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This prayer, the Shema, is said by Jewish people morning and night. It is something that when they rise, because of it says when you rise and when you go to bed, this is something, this, it's one of the most ancient prayers, and it is prayed today. So, you know, from the beginning of when it was given until now, they are still saying this morning and night. The, the other prayer that they say in, on an ongoing basis is prayer over the meals. So, really a significant thing that he shared, and it's very similar to what we talked about last week with some of the college kids uh, going off to college and young adults uh, pursuing college and that type of thing, how it is so important that they own it for themselves, that they own uh, salvation, that they un understand God's love. So the next scripture that I want to comment on is that it talks about how uh, the different things, you know, he says, who is my neighbor? And everybody expected that to be an Israelite. Every, nobody thought it'd be anything else. The crowd, they were all expecting that. And so the next verse has to do with, you know, then Jesus begins to tell the story. And he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And even though Jericho is north, it's lower in 
uh, altitude. It's, it's lower in uh, J- Jerusalem is at about 2,400 feet above sea level, and Jer- Jericho is about 800 below sea level. So you're going down, and that's what they talk about. It was a very dangerous road, especially to travel alone. And so it talks about how he fan- fell into the hands of robbers, stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, it's important to know, too, that the road was narrow. I've been there to see it. Um, I wasn't there at this time, but it was narrow. And in some ways, about two feet wide. So saying that he went to the other side does not mean that it's like I-35, okay? Or even I-35 under construction. Can I get an amen? But, you know... But it was narrow, so saying he went to the other side means he really stepped over him. Do you see how narrow it is and how rocky? And this is the road, okay? And so, in fact, in Jesus' day, they called it the way of blood because so many people would get hurt on it. So, and it's the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is about 17 miles, so it was not an easy journey kind of thing. Many priests lived in Jericho, so it was common for them to be traveling that road. And often, as they would travel it from Jerusalem to Jericho, it meant that they had performed duties at the temple and that they went, um, they're going back home. And the same would be true for the Levite, that he had performed duties in the temple and going back home. To touch anyone that was dead or half dead meant that you were unclean, and it was a big deal. And so, even though the guy was still alive, they stepped over him and went on their way. Okay, and then, it, then Jesus is about to say the next person. And everybody in the crowd expected him to say an Israelite, right? Priest, Levi, Israelite. And he said Samaritan. And they could not really grasp that. In one version of the scripture in Luke 10, 34, it says, but a despised Samaritan. So they didn't send Christmas cards to each other, the Jews and the Samaritans. Y'all with me? It didn't, they were not happy campers. They did not like each other. You know, and it says, but a Samaritan while traveling came near him. He was moved with pity. The Amplified said he has great compassion, deeply moved with compassion for him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured on oil and wine on them. Now, he did not have a first aid kit that you order from Amazon, Right? Y'all with me? Y'all awake? Um, he, you know, it's not the kind you get at Walmart, and the wine was not for drinking. <laughs> the wine was an antiseptic. And so he bandaged his wounds, and then he put him on his own animal, meaning the Samaritan walked, and the Jewish man was on the animal, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Scripture says, took care of him. The next day, when it, he needed to leave, you know, he told the innkeeper, gave him some money. We think it was about two days' worth of salary. I don't know what you make in a day, but even, you know, it, it was a significant amount of money. I'll repay you when I, when I get back. And then Jesus goes into who really was, which of you, these was a neighbor. I always think, you know, Fred Rogers, the, you know, the song from Mr. Rogers is going to come up, but who was a neighbor? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy. He didn't say the Samaritan. 
He couldn't say the Samaritan. (laughs) But he said the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. One of the passages of scripture that has been coming to me over and over at this time has been bind up the wounds. And I got it last Christmas, before Christmas, and looked it up. And you see passages in, in Isaiah 61, and you see passages in the Psalms about how God binds our wounds or he bandages up the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61 talks about part of what Jesus had come to do was to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring good news to the poor. And here's the thing, church, we have good news. We have good news. And we have a world, we have neighbors that desperately need the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because it's such a difficult time, there's so much uncertainty. It's just incredibly difficult right now. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, a lot of times with our wounds, you can't see them. You know, if you have a broken leg or whatever, you can see that. If you're on crutches or something, you can see that. But sometimes when we are struggling with how the world is, people can't always see that. People can't see the anxiety. Now, I have a Band-Aid here that um, I brought with me, and it's the kind that has, you know, it's a Snoopy one, actually. Um, when Robert was little, when he was about two, he loved these kind of band-aids. And when we went to the doctor, if the doctor was out of the kind that had like Bugs Bunny on it or whatever, he would literally make, put a happy face on it for Robert if Robert was getting a shot or whatever. So when Robert was about two, we were in Mom's Day Out on Pearl Street at the church. And when Robert was about two, he just decided to put band-aids on his leg from where his shorts were to his knee. I mean, about eight Band-Aids, you know, and some of them were neon and some of them were, you know, Bugs Bunny and all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, but he, he liked them and we were late and I wasn't going to rip them off, you know, and make him cry. I was like, not going to do that. And so I explained to the workers that he needed, you know, he liked Band-Aids. And when I picked him up and at that time, the shorts were like, not at your knees. Okay. The short, I mean, you could see about eight or nine Band-Aids. And so when I picked him up, they said, well, we just need to let you know that we had to check and just make sure they're like, I hadn't hurt him with a curling iron or something. And I was just like, and I used to be their boss, you know, and I was just kind of like, like I would bring my kid, you know, anyway, sometimes we can see bandages, sometimes we can't. And so I want us to talk just a little bit about where we are and how we need to consider this season and how we need to then pray about it. Y'all know that I would work prayer in somewhere, right? So one of the authors that I've read recently and just reading up on anxiety and how difficult things are right now, one of the authors talked about that there's just like an emotional heaviness and how do we work to understand our feelings. And I do think there's an emotional heaviness with all the stuff going on with COVID, with all the stuff, the unrest that we've seen, while I very much support peaceful protest and peaceful demonstrations, I do not support anarchy and people just looting and destroying things. So how do we understand that? And, and the person said, how do we work to understand our feelings? It's emotional work. And they wrote, this person had a PhD, you know, and I realized... That means some things in some places. But they wrote, 
Adverse elements usually don't affect people at the same time. We have dealt with national tragedies, but those are often one-time events. This is an extended crisis with no end date. And that's really true. They went on to say that, that there's just a lot of fear, and they, I, I came up with some of them. You might be able to come up with more. But one was the fear of the unknown. We just don't know. We don't know. There's so much unknown about the disease. Fear of the disease. Fear about provision. How long is this going to last? Fear of loved ones getting sick. Fear of the future. Fear of unrest or violence or anarchy. Now, I'm not saying all this to make everybody feel good and say, we're glad we came today. But to say, this is really the reality for a lot of people. It may not be for you, but it's the reality for a lot of people. And so what I'd like to encourage you to do is, when things like that go on, I think it's important to name it. This is what's going on. We can't pretend we can't live in a false reality and just go, oh, well, you know, everything's fine with me, when it may not be. And so trying to work through that, and then how do we work through as the church so that we can minister to people that desperately need God? They desperately need God. All of this brings on anxiety, fear, dread, and grief. And we've lost the, the sense of normalcy and safety. We like, I don't know how you are, but I, I tend to be a planner. And um, I, I like just to kind of know what's going to happen next. And I would guess there are several of you that feel the same way. And yet, we don't know that, right? And the whole point is, we never really had it. We just thought we did. We thought we knew what would be next. We thought we knew what would be the expectation. God is the one who knows what's going to be next. The Lord is the one. The Lord is the one. So I encourage you to think about these things, and then we're going to talk about spiritual things. So one time I worked for a pastor's wife who said it needs to be spiritual and practical. If it's not both, how do you really help people? So here's the practical stuff, and then we'll talk spiritual. They say stick to what you can control or manage. Now that doesn't mean become a control freak with the things you can control, okay? That's not fun for anybody. But what can you manage? What can, what can you take care of? And do those things. Stick to a routine. Make sure that you have some sort of routine for your, for your life, for your world. It goes better if you can do that. Have small achievable tasks daily as a reminder that while things are uncertain, we move forward. And I don't know about you, but when I struggle with anxiety, there are things that are just too much to do. And so I don't do them. So, you know... It's important to look at that and see what you need to do, what you can do, and what you need to put off. It's important to do exercise, to be careful what you eat, to take time to unwind. And one of the things they said, too, is be careful of too much adult beverage. Because it's easy or too much chocolate or whatever, that it's easy to get into the things that bring us comfort. The main thing they said was step away from the news. And I don't know how you feel about that. I, I realize that may be really important to you. But one pastor wrote yesterday, he wrote a kind of a blog, and he said, you know, it's, it's not like you can turn on the morning news now anymore with your coffee and just kind of be, you know, feel comfort. That comfort is gone. And so people now are not 
turning in, you know, to get tuning in to get heartburn or whatever before they leave for work. And so I want you to think about that, and I want you to think about what influences you and what is your, what are the things that really speak into your life. A couple of times, um, a, a father, um, I've had situations where people have said, well, we, you know, we went to a really scary movie and we shouldn't have, and we took the kids. And part of me just wants to go, what is wrong with you? You know, because, oh, what was happening? The kids were having nightmares. Really? And then they want me to pray for them, which I'm happy to do, but it's like, you know, if you want to go scare yourself, I don't care, but to take your kids? Maybe not. Maybe not. Just the, in the news, just the inflection of their voices brings fear, right? If you haven't heard it, you're not listening. It, it, it brings fear. Years ago, a man named Charles Gibson was on the ABC World News uh, in the evenings, like at, I don't know, 6 o'clock here or whatever. And he would end each session with, my name is Charles Gibson, and I hope you've had a good day, and I'll see you tomorrow. And people took incredible comfort in that. You know, he was a good guy just saying, I hope you've had a good day. And, and on Friday, he would say, I hope you've had a good week, and I'll see you on Monday. So we don't get that anymore. Has anybody heard that lately? Has anybody said, I hope you've had a good day to you lately? I would guess not. So I encourage you to think about what you listen to, who's affecting you, what takes your peace. If it takes your peace, is it worth it? I'm not saying be uninformed, but I'm saying there are ways to probably find the news without a spirit of heaviness or fear coming over all of us. And the, the PhD who wrote this article commented, and I don't think they were Christian, they said there is like this heaviness that has settled over us. And that's true as a nation, and in some cases around the world. And the thing is, we have hope. We have the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to take care of our stuff so we can minister to the people that have no clue, that have no clue. It is so important. So what do you do spiritually? First thing I'm going to say is pray. It's so critical to pray. And sometimes when I get afraid, it's hard to pray, which is an indicator that I need to pray. <laughs> you know, are you all with me? So I encourage you to pray and spend a lot of time praying and praying for your kids and your grandkids or, or whoever, you're, the people that you work with, the people that have lost their jobs. Pray. If you feel like the Lord is leading you in any way to repent, I think it's important to repent. And I'm not, I'm not saying at all that this disease is God going, this will get them, you know? That's not it. But we are in a situation where it's serious. I think the media makes it more serious than it really is. I wear a mask. I'm not wearing one now because y'all really couldn't hear me. But I wear a mask all the time. You know, I just do. And, and I'm not trying to mess with anybody on that, but I'm just saying I think there's a point where it's just important where you get your information. Um, 
John was saying last week that there was a report that in Florida they were getting the positive rate was like in the 90%. And they thought, hmm, we think, that, we think this might be wrong. And they rechecked it and it was really 9%. But it was reported as 90%. So I went, you know, you do your math, right? It's a big difference. It's a big difference. I think it's important to take authority. If you feel a heaviness, if you feel fear, you need to tell it to go. You know, fear is not a little package from God to bless your day, right? And if there is fear, you tell it to go. Uh, my son attends a church in Fort Worth because, of course, there are no churches between Dallas and Fort Worth. You know, I'm sorry. He feels called to this church, and he works with children, which I think is great. You know, and he's really good, and they think he's funny, and they love him, and they call him Mr. Rob and all that. There was one time somebody was praying for him, and it was pretty, you know, it was pretty intense, and he could hear these kids saying, is Mr. Rob all right? You know, is Mr. Rob? And it's like, yes, yes, Mr. Rob's okay. Take authority. They teach the children there, and they're as young as, like, Michaelou and Banner. I mean, young kids just say, fear, go, Holy Spirit, come. Fear, go, Holy Spirit, come. It can be that simple. And if you feel like there's a heaviness in your house, here's the thing. It's your house. Tell it to go. Take authority. I've known situations where, where people even in working on or watching TV and it wound up being something that was not good. You know, if you, you, you understand places where you feel peace, right? And you understand places where maybe there's fear or, or maybe it doesn't feel right. Pray about it. Pray about it. Remember that, like with Jehoshaphat and with Hezekiah, they were realistic about what was happening to them. Jehoshaphat, the three armies were coming to, oh, kill them, and Jehoshaphat said, oh, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And Hezekiah, when, when he was, the Assyrians were about to come, and they said, we're going to eat you for lunch, basically. Hezekiah said, what they say they're going to do, they've done to other people, but, oh, God, we need your help. So I encourage you to stay. We know we have, you know, there are, there are things going on in our world. I have wondered, seeing sometimes the rioting and that kind of stuff, and I may be wrong, so just saying, I may be wrong, but I've wondered sometimes if that was almost like a physical manifestation of spiritual attacks. Because the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Right? So our job is to pray. And as our job is to bind up the brokenhearted. And our job is to let God so heal us that we can then minister to others as he flows through us. So we may need to say, Holy Spirit, come. I can't do this in my strength. Because we can't. That's the newsflash. It's his strength. It's his power. So I want to pray just a minute. And then Chiv and Lauren are coming. Chiv is going to pray in Kamai, we asked for Cambodia Chiv to come. If you've ever been on a mission trip with Chiv, um, he prays amazingly. And, and not that he doesn't in English, but in Kamai, he just kind of lets it rip. And that's a good thing. Kind of like Ryan singing today. I mean, you were letting it rip, and that was good. That was good. So I would like to pray over you guys a minute, and then Chiv and Lauren are going to come. Chiv is going to pray in Kamai. Lauren's going to pray in English. And... Uh, and then we'll, we'll worship. Let's pray. God, you know exactly where we are.
and you know what's happening. And I thank you, God, that where there is fear, we say, fear, go. And Holy Spirit, come. God, where there is anxiety, we command it to be gone. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, where there has just been confusion or just not knowing what's going to happen next, we tell it to go. That God is not a God of chaos, but he's a God of peace. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our hope. That our hope is in you. And, oh God, we look to you and thank you for doing mighty things. That you are so good. So, Lord, bring healing to us in the places where we need it. God, bring healing to us in the places where we might be afraid or concerned or worried. Lord, we look to you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join me. How about we die? They go no time so early. So, my name Trung, one body subs. So, my Trung, one more dog. So, my three Trung, one some right in the pine day, doing no time so die. Tanikon, so look, twice rail out of Trung, grow Trung, she prayer. All looking prayers like all things nights. On Miram night, no purchase dark group yang. Gone so my. ອໍານາຍປະຊາຊົນຂອງບ້ານກາປີຍິງຂ້ອຍໃຫ້ດັກນອມຍິງຂ້ອຍໃຫ້ກາປີຍິງຂ້ອຍໃຫ້ບ້
បានជ្រាបជ្រោលដោយយើងខ្ញុំទាំងអស់គ្នាហើយដល់របស់ត្រង់ God, we ask your forgiveness for the times where we have not been good neighbors, where we have not seen the people around us as, as beautiful sons and daughters that are made in your image. God, we repent for the times that we have not honored the people around us as you would have us honor them. Whether they are honorable or not, God, we know that you call us to love all people, to have mercy on all people. And so, God, we pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have failed in that regard. God, we pray for our nation as we are experiencing times of uh, tumultuousness and division. God, we pray that you would bring healing to the deep scars that are in our history. God, we repent for the times that we have not honored our brothers and sisters of color. We repent for the times that we have been abusive towards those who bear your image, and we have not seen them as such. God, we pray that you would forgive us, and that you would begin to bring healing to these wounds in our society and in our nation, that by your spirit you would draw us together, that by your spirit you would lead us to love others as you have loved us. We pray that your church would lead the way in loving all people, loving the people around us, loving the people that are different than us, those that are unexpected in our lives. God, that you would, through your spirit, enable us to build bridges, to bind up the wounds, to bring healing to the very fabric of our society. God, we thank you that you can do all things. There is nothing that you cannot do that you are a God of redemption and resurrection and reconciliation. And God, we pray that as we partner with you, as our lives are healed, that we can be agents of that healing and that resurrection and that redemption for those around us. And so God, we pray that that would be true, that we would manifest that in our lives, not only as individuals, but as a community and as your church in this nation, in this world, that we would bring healing and resurrection and redemption through the power of your spirit. ព្រះអង្គព្រះអស់លើទាំងព្រះស្ដាច់អស់លើទាំងស្ដាច់ព្រះអង្គមានគ្រប់ទាំង <laughs> នឹងជនជាតិទាំងអស់សូមឲ្យគេមានសេរីភាពដើម្បីសរសារតាមកាងឲ្យគូនមានអំណាចឲ្យគូនអស់ឲ្យមានការអស់ចាមកពីត្រង់ឲ្យគូនជាពន្លឺនៃផែនដី
Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. We welcome your presence among us. And God, we do say that we ask fear to go and Holy Spirit come. We tell fear to go, Holy Spirit come and fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your peace. We pray for anxiety to go, depression to go, all illness to go. Holy Spirit come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we ask you to tear down the walls that you would bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, that you would use us as your agents of redemption and reconciliation to bring your kingdom here now on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your love. God, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your love, to receive your healing, to receive your peace so that we can then give that peace and that love to others in your name. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have come, that you have bound up our wounds, that you have healed us, you have set us free. And God, may we be wounded healers. May we be the people that have been healed so that we may heal others through your power and through the power of your spirit. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for all the healing that you want to accomplish in this world and all that you will do. And God, may we be faithful to listen to your voice and to partner with you as you bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.